Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Live Free Podcast. This is episode number four. Mike here with JD, and today we're going to be talking about the 16-unit deal we recently have gotten under contract. How are you doing today, JD? I'm having an awesome day, and I cannot be more excited to talk to you guys about this deal we've got going down in North Carolina. It's just got that Airbnb appeal that we've always been looking for, so I can't wait to get into it. Super exciting. I'm super excited as well. Um, All right, but before we jump into this episode, we ask that if you learn anything from us today or if you just enjoy your time listening, that you please give us a rating on whichever platform you're listening on. It really helps us out a lot and lets us know you want to hear more from us. All right, so first off, J.D., where did we even find a deal like this? That's a great question, Mike. Uh, A lot of times these deals aren't just like right there for the picking. It always comes down to what I've said before, those late night searches on the internet. We had to go somewhere special this time. We are actually on a website called uh, innkeeper.com. So you would find like a mix of all types of like old bed and breakfast, some like outdated stuff. And there's there's hundreds of different inns across all different states. And you can search by state, which is pretty cool. But we had one that was up on the first page. I saw it and immediately knew that this could hit because it was 16 cabins and they were asking for 1.7 million. So with that, uh, I knew that the price per unit was around 100000 which most of these things are, are looking for bed and breakfast that are maybe six rooms in the whole bed and breakfast for two, three million. I knew that we had a pretty good value on this deal just going into it, but it was a late night shop uh, found by none other than Tyler Winjet. The boy, you got to love those late night looking sessions. Just everyone here at the table looking for fire deals, do it all the time. It's some of the best times we have. Now, this, it's, uh, where exactly in North Carolina is this located? So this is in a very small town called Crumpler, which is near another small town that people might be more familiar with called Jefferson and West Jefferson. But to put it on the map for you guys and the radar, it's just south of the Virginia-North Carolina line. It's about 45 minutes north of Boone, uh, about an hour northeast of Winston-Salem, and two hours from Riley, uh, North Carolina. So for those of you North Carolina fans out there, uh, that's where it is. And to put that into a little more context, while we were there for the home inspection, the uh, college championship game was going on. We actually uh, saw Duke lose. We didn't see them live, but we were there when they lost. It was heartbreaking. And we saw UNC kind of blow that lead. Um, so we were there for all the magic. Super cool. Is there any other like cool amusement parks or famous landmarks nearby? Yeah, so that's, that's what's super cool about this area is you're up in the mountains. Um, there's a bunch of super famous mountain ridges and ranges right al- along that area. Uh, but just driving in, you can really feel that old dirt road experience and just know that there's a ton of different hikes nearby so you can really escape. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the property. So um, there are 16 units. Yeah, what are the units like? Oof, so... Of the 16 units, they're all themed cabiny uh, for the most part. You got the squirrel cabin, you got the chickadee cabin, you got the eagle's nest. So most of them are one bedrooms, and then you have a couple two bedrooms there. Uh, we actually stayed in a two bedroom down there when we were doing the home inspection. One of the two bedrooms sits on top of its own little hill, and that's the eagle's nest. So you feel extra secluded. The property is 11 acres, so all of them feel fairly secluded. Now, let me get into exactly the types of units which made my alarm go off for short-term rentals. There are two tree houses on the property which literally sit in a tree. There's little staircases that that zigzag up and circle up. 
to the unit. The unit is built around in a circle around the tree. So when you go to sleep at night, you're getting tucked in by that tree trunk. Yeah, that's that's super cool. It's it's super cool to be in there. And while I was there, I, I wish we would have stayed at these treehouse cabins. Honestly, that would that would have been so much more fun. Um, but but the little cabin we stayed in was, was super cool as well. Um, but there's something a little special about the treehouses in terms of um, zoning, isn't there? Yeah, that was one of the interesting lear- things we, we learned throughout our tours in North Carolina. There was a, a couple different things we'll get into, but starting with those treehouses. So to give you some background, we booked pretty last second, so we couldn't get into the treehouses. Uh, even when we were going through, I knew immediately, I was like, that's where I wish I could have stayed. The inspector got done and was like, hey, guys, let me know when you close. I'm coming to stay in one of those. They're super sick. And they just have that Airbnb flair and experience that I think Airbnb was really crafted and meant to be all about. So those tree houses have a one unique thing that sets them apart, and that's they don't have electricity. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why would I want to stay somewhere without electricity? And the reason that is is that when you're in North Carolina, you can put a certain number of units on property, a certain number of units on parcels without getting into a space where an inspector has to come out very frequently and check the grounds much more intensively. So the, the owner who actually bought this place, bought a farm nearby, started putting up units uh, a while back now and just kept adding them. The owner added electric to these units when she first put them together. Uh, and the inspector came by and was like, oh, you're now going into that new category. We're going to have to come get you. And the owner's like, well, maybe I could do something else. And the inspector's like, yeah, take the electric out, and these don't even exist. You're all good. We don't have to talk about it. So that's exactly what she did. So these units don't have ensuite bathrooms. That's not the end of the world. I'm sure a lot of you guys either have a hall bath or you have to go down a set of stairs to get to your bathroom unless you're super lucky and have an ensuite where you're at. Uh, you just have to go down the flight of stairs and the bathroom's right there. That outhouse is for just the two tree houses. So it's not like it's shared amongst all the cabins. Not a big deal. Uh, not a deal breaker, especially for uh, guys and gals like us who don't mind going up there, getting a little dirty, and uh, getting into the action. So that's where the zoning got really interesting. And we went on five other property tours that weekend. Uh, Mike, what was the super interesting thing we found out while we were on those property tours? So one super interesting thing we found out while we were there, which I've never heard anything like this. It's super weird, honestly, that they even do this in the first place. Um, so certain places, you can sell alcohol if you have a liquor license, right? Normally, that's that's how it goes. Well, Actually, in North Carolina, there's this little rule that if you have A, either two donkeys, or B, either two tennis courts, you're actually considered a country club or a private club, and you can sell alcohol. And I just thought that was the most wild and interesting thing that I've ever heard. Yeah, and luckily for us, one of our investors on the po- on this deal in North Carolina actually has a donkey connect. So if we needed to get into the, the private club game and wanted to really uh, start notching up the fun here and get some alcohol sales flowing, we could do that by putting two donkeys on the premises. Now, I don't know that that's exactly the market and what we're looking to cater to or if donkeys are going to be our uh, up our alley. So we will hold off on that. We did, however, tour a property that had one tennis court and one donkey, and we were shaking our heads. We're like, they've got to pick a lane. You can't play tennis and have a donkey. You've got to do one or the other so that we can have some fun up in here. Yeah, there, there actually was a bunch of other like really cool properties we saw. None of them really fit what we wanted to see. They were more so bed and breakfast. 
um, and that's just not really quite our, our bread and butter. Um, but they, they were definitely interesting to see um, how other people kind of did their own thing. Um, now, for North Carolina, do they have any sort of special STR fees or hotel fees or anything like that? Yeah, totally. Um, just to go backwards one second, I want to point out for all you investors out there that when you find a property you like, especially in an area that you're not 100% familiar with, uh, it's super important that you tour as many places as you can to get a feel for the market. Uh, and that's one reason while we didn't find anything else super interesting on our tours, it was super helpful to tour a bunch of other places and see that they were asking $2 million, $3 million, Two and a half million, one and a half million, whatever the case was, with our purchase price ending up being one and a half million, we realized that we have such an insane amount of value if the the place down the road is asking for two and a half million and only has five guest rooms. So the more we looked at things, the more we knew that the deal we had in hand was the right deal. Uh, so that's always super important as an investor to look at comps. And a lot of times I do this as a realtor as well. If I find some super sick houses for my client, You'll note that I never tour just one or two houses. If I find two sick houses, I'm going to show two other houses that they, I'll even let them pick them out. Hey, try to find two other sick houses. And then when we go through and do the tour, and now that you have four places you can compare, they realize, okay, the ones that we, we set out to look at today are actually even sicker than I thought when I look at what someone else is offering. So it's always important to kind of get your, your true pick of the litter and see what else is out there. When it comes to the fees, there's a, a couple of things you have to consider. So Airbnb as a platform is usually partnered with most municipalities that you're able to host in, and they're going to collect the fees off the top from the guests. They're going to remit that to the local municipality and take care of all the taxes for you. So when you collect $300, let's say, for a reservation on Airbnb, you're getting paid out $300. You don't have to worry about the taxes. Now, that's not true for all online travel agencies or OTAs, as we say in the industry. So, for example... 15% of our reservations through Bespoke Stay come through our direct website. Now, on those reservations, we're going to have to set aside and pull out some taxes, and then that's what we keep at the end of the day. We have to remit those taxes ourselves, and we hold it off. We send the rest to the owners we manage for, or we keep ourselves if we happen to be the owner of that unit. The same goes with some of the other major players like VRBO, HomeAway. You're going to have to set aside taxes yourself because they don't do that for you. Um, this is the case with any short-term rental because then you fall into, in most jurisdictions, you fall into that hotel tax and resort zoning tax that you're going to have to pay. Yeah, that's super good to know. So you guys just make sure whatever platform you're booking on um, or hosting on, sorry, uh, you just want to make sure that either they take the, the fees out already or they don't, and then you just have to make sure you manage that yourself. Um, so how are we able to raise capital for this project? That's a great question. So what we're doing is we're allowing some of our friends and family, outside investors, to, to come in on this project with us. So we need to raise a total of $500,000 to make this deal happen. And how that all came to fruition was when I was negotiating with the, the seller's broker, uh, I had to figure out where we could get them because obviously the lower price point we can get this project at, we're going to be able to, to make a return on our money quite a bit faster. As I was going through the negotiations, it was, it was quite the process. It probably took about a month. Uh, I was back and forth with the broker, and I realized what I was doing. So I would show a ton of interest, make like uh, an offer. I lowballed them pretty heavily in the beginning, which you can and can't do here and there. That's a whole other conversation. But 
I lowballed them. They held firm at their $1.7 million purchase price. I would ghost them sort of accidentally. I, I'm a really busy human most of the times, and I just often aren't, I'm not that great at getting back to people. And that worked to my advantage here because when I would not respond for three days, seven days at a time, they would come back to me automatically lowering the purchase price. They'd be like, hey, we thought about it. We talked it over. We're going to come down a little bit. Will you do this new number? So after going back and forth for a while, I realized that they were much more stuck on the, the purchase price number than they were on necessarily um, how the deal came about. So we struck a seller financing deal, and that was key for us and our investors in on the project because we were able to get some pretty favorable terms on this deal. Uh, I, re I did some digging. I found out what the seller owed. I talked. I calculated the broker's fee, and I realized that in order to get this thing to work, she was going to have to see $450,000 in order to even walk away with anything. So that's how we came to what we need for a down payment. Um, that's why we need to raise the $500,000 because we're putting a pretty heavy down payment and that'll play into the game plan later with our returns. But with all that being said, most of the times you sell our finance to get extra leverage, right, Mike? That's right. So you're trying to get extra leverage. You either don't have the money, you can't get the lender, whatever the case is. We were fine doing a bank lender here. But the reason we opted for the seller finance is we were able to lock her in at a 5.5% interest rate. We're doing a 15-year note, which is one of the negotiation points that I kind of used. Sometimes you can get a longer note with a seller. Um, we started out kind of pushing for heavier. Um, she wanted 5 or 10 years. We ended up landing at 15. So what that means is we're going to be able to be paying on a 15-year note. We're going to have a pretty heavy amortization because a lot of that money will go to principal. Um, the rate's not super high, and we can refinance out later uh, down the road once we have a little bit more paid off. We put a heavy down payment out, and we're going to be able to get a nice chunk of money back on our refi with how we structure this deal. 5.5% right now is super wild, especially because right now at the time of supporting, you can't even get residential at those rates anymore. That's right. Our, uh, our clients who are looking for primary homes or secondary homes are getting quoted at, uh, and they're happy with, which they should be in this, this market, they're getting 6% on a primary. So for us to be snagging a commercial property at 5.5%, that makes it a lot easier for us to cash flow and us as investors to get our money back at a, a better timeline. Yeah, that sounds super amazing. So let's get into a little bit about the marketing and, and things like that. So I know that the old owner had, had mostly gotten listings and bookings from her direct website. What's, what's our plan to get bookings and to raise occupancy? That's a great question. And, and what you'll notice is for a lot of these old school inns and a lot of these older properties that we've been finding on inshopper.com, you'll notice that they are only marketing through their website, which is not a problem if you are super good at marketing and you have the best website ever and you're just super cool, but um, we're not that cool. We can't do that. We, we will have reservations come through our direct website, but you have to take advantage of all the other online travel agencies there. The more eyeballs you get in front of, the more chance there is that someone's going to book at one, the rate you want, and two, you're going to drive occupancy super high. So when we were going through for the inspection and just chit-chatting up with the seller all day, she dropped a gem for us, which really made us want this place. She gets all of her reservations through her direct website, and no offense to her, her website is not that great. So she's hitting 40% occupancy and a net operating income of $140,000 a year with just that website. And to be fair, I tried, because we were staying there, we tried to book through the website, we were playing with it, 
it's not a super convenient process, not as easy as it would be to just kind of one click on Amazon and, and have the place that you want. Uh, so once we realized that there was some friction in how they were doing their reservations, we realized that their marketing wasn't all over, that really helped us go back and do the underwriting. We underwrote this deal at 50% occupancy, which for those of you in the short-term rental industry know that that's not super high. It's, it's not terribly low, but when you factor in the fact that we're going to be able to go on a bunch of different platforms and do some marketing, put some Facebook and Instagram ads up at the, the local schools and in local towns that are nearby, try to get some of those people who are in major cities about an hour and a half out to come do our, our country-style retreat, we realize that we should be able to hit 50% occupancy no problem. And if we can get up to 60, 65, 70%, this deal is going to go from a home run to a grand slam. That sounds super great. Now let's let's get into the numbers a little bit and kind of get that for the people. So talked about we got a seller finance deal. We negotiated multiple offers. Um, what other offers do we give them? So I want to say started right around 1.2 million, and she was offended as most people are with lowballs, and that probably was the first time that I didn't get a response back for a week, um, knowing that she wanted 1.7. Uh, so we started there, and we back and forth, back and forth, got to the seller financing, which was huge for us because although we were willing to go through a, a bank, now we don't have to do any of the underwriting. There's no appraisal. There's nothing that can get, this, get in the way of this deal, which is huge for us. So we ended up landing at $1.525 million for a purchase price, uh, which gets us well under $100,000 a unit. Yeah, that's that's super amazing. That's actually pretty cheap when you say that, under 100K a unit. Um, what kind of down payment do we have to do? You said somewhere around 400k. Yeah, so we're we're going into this deal with five hundred thousand um, dollars. Most of that is the down payment, and then we're gonna have a little extra to touch up the place when we get into it. Um, there's some landscaping we can do. There's some money that can go into the marketing, and we're also thinking about adding some units. So, like we said, those treehouse units were the ones that captivated us. Like that's where we wanted to stay. That's where the magic was gonna be at. She has been renting these treehouse units at $60, $70 a night, whereas the other units, the cabins, are doing $125 to $200 a night. And I realized there was a lot of opportunity there because if we would prefer to stay in one place, but the other ones are renting out consistently at $150, that price should be close to the same at the least. And her logic was, well, they don't have electric, so I'm going to charge half the rate. My logic is that place is super cool. We need to charge that same rate or more. So that's another place we're going to be able to drive a little bit of revenue and add some net operating income into our operation here. Um, so that's going to help us out from the numbers aspect. Yeah, I, I love that. That sounds super good. Um, what did you say the rehab costs were? So we budgeted about 50000 to go in there and get some extra things done. Now, another interesting fact that I learned when chatting with the seller throughout the inspection was they got those tree houses built for $10,000 each. Uh, which is super cheap. If we can do it at even $20,000 each, the property's on 11 acres. We scouted the ground. So there's not a ton of room just because of the way that the topography is and there's a little bit of slant here and there. But we do think that there might be room for maybe four more. Uh, and if we can get four tree houses in there, maybe we can get two of those done with some of that extra rehab that we budgeted for, which if you add two more units, that's another 13% units, which everything already on top of what we have is going to be extra cash flow. Adding two units would be a monumental driver in how much more cash flow we're able to generate. So if we can go in and add some of those tree houses, that'd be pretty sick. 
Yeah, that that actually would sound super amazing. Like I said, the tree houses were my favorite part, uh, and she had said that she had done tree houses herself. So it might cost us a little more. If anybody knows any plugs who can build some tree houses, hit us up. We're open. We already have our donkey plug. We're looking for a treehouse plug. We are willing to exchange the donkey plug for the treehouse plug if you can make it happen. Uh, and by treehouse, what I mean is you're literally surrounded by a tree at night. The, the structure just circles around the tree. So you got that tree as your homie every time you go to sleep. That, that sounds fantastic. So the current number of units is 16, but we might do maybe four treehouses total. So that makes us 20 units. That would put us up to 20, and like I said, we underwrite conservatively. We didn't factor in any additional units in our underwriting. Anything we can get would be icing on the cake. So let's see what we can do here, um, but some of that that little bit of extra money we have, um, we can put it to work. All right, so how much value do you think? What is the ARV going to be after all the repairs and everything spruces up a little bit? What do you think that is going to look like? Yeah, so that's that's where the deal gets super interesting because with our conservative underwriting, we only factored for keeping the property for a couple years, three to be exact, um, having the amortization kick in, which we're paying down some principal. We already have a hefty down payment. We factored the ARV to be about $1.66 million, and that's purely based off of a 3% inflation. Now, if you factor in, which a lot of times in commercial real estate, what you're going to do is factor in the increase that we're going to have to the net operating income on top of any any other way we can drive revenue, your new net operating income will be the staple for calculating ARV. So ours was super conservative, just adding that little bit of inflation, knowing that we're going to be driving the occupancy up and hopefully driving some of these rates up a bit. We should end up with an ARV. We're going from a 9% cap to about a 12% cap, which would put you at about four-thirds the purchase price. So I'm just doing all napkin math here for you guys, but that ends up with an ARV over $2 million. And if that's the case, if we can hit an ARV of over $2 million, that refi point, we're gonna have, we're only going to owe about 900000 on the property, and we're going to have something worth $2 million, so we'll be able to pull a pretty sizable chunk of cash out, perhaps all the money we put in after the first couple years, and then keep the asset. That is super wild, honestly. That's insane to even think about. Um, what is the ROI time looking on something like this? So the ROI is about 41 months, and I'll, I'll break you down on how we get to that. So we keep the property for three years. We do all those changes. We start driving revenue up nearly immediately since a lot of it's coming from the marketing and the extra online uh, presence that we're going to have. So we're going to have pretty solid cash flows through the first couple years. Now, the kicker is when we refinance. So when we do refinance and we shift off of that 15-year note to a 30-year note, we are going to be able to, one, keep a lot more cash flow. Two, we'll have enough equity in the property to pull at least some money out based on our conservative ARV. So with that, any investor is going to get about half their money back, 49000 out of 100000 uh, to be direct, um, just off the refi. And then from there... Between months 0 and 41, the cash flow is going to return the rest of the money. So it's about a three-and-a-half-year return time, which I know some of you guys who like to move super, super fast uh, might want a little more than that. But remember, we underwrote so conservatively, and there's a chance it could be better than that. We're not hoping for anything out of our hands to happen. So this is something that's pretty surefire to happen, and that's, that's what we really like about this deal is it's fairly turnkey. We're going to get in. We're going to have heavy cash flow. That'll get our money back out. And hey, if we can hit more than 50% occupancy and get up to that 60 70% mark, 
return time on this thing can be well under three years. I, I totally think that's possible, especially because the, the, the previous owner didn't do much marketing, and she really was only listed on her own direct website. So I think with all the marketing and, and being listed on all the all the different platforms, I think we can easily easily reach that and, and go above that. Um, and there's no doubt, because there's a story to tell here. This is the Healing Springs. In the 1800s, people were flocking to this place for this water, because whether you had an incurable disease or you just got your arm chopped off, you were going to the springs, you were splish-splashing that water, and you were coming out better than you went in. So with that, we have such a story to tell here, and it's part of history. So we're, we're excited to get that out in the marketing and start to get people back here. Now, if you do have any serious illnesses, I do suggest you go to a doctor. But if it's not that serious and you want to come splish-splash in the springs, you let us know. You come down and stay with us, and we'll fix you right up. Yeah, let me tell you, when I was up there with you and, and I drank that water, it, there was something about it. It I felt incredible. The, day, the next day, after drinking that water, getting the tap, stirring it up, getting in the bottle and chugging it, 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 it felt great the next day. Um, but uh, what kind of – so before we even touch this thing, what's the cap rate looking like? So currently the way that it operates, it's, it's about a 9% cap, 8.5%, 9%. Um, once we get done with it, we're going to be looking at an 11.8% cap rate, uh, and that's with super conservative underwriting again. And I'm going to keep saying that and stressing that because we are bringing in some investors, some friends and family, we want to make the picture conservative. But 11.8% on conservative, uh, a lot of you guys out there know, especially in this market, that most of the time... Properties are trading at maybe 4 or 5%. So for us to get something like this, and if you looked at those other bed and breakfasts we looked at, those things are maybe a 2 3% cap rate. So for us to get something in this space at that cap rate and to be able to add value, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, that sounds super great. So what kind of value adds can we add here, extra money opportunities, you think? Yeah, so there's definitely some, and there are a couple that the owner is doing right now, and I've already talked to her. She's definitely open to keeping these in service, and what those are, so like I said, she has a farm nearby. She had been providing uh, fire packages. Uh, what she doesn't do is provide firewood, which we already have a third-party company who's going to help us start providing firewood and make it super easy for the guests to just go grab firewood at uh, a set price by us. Um, so we'll have fire packages, but which the owner has been doing is providing meat packages from the farm. So those meat packages are things that you can cook over the fire, an extra little experience. You can cook them on the stovetop, which is what we did because we were being kind of soft, didn't want to go out in the cold. wasn't even that cold. We were just trying to be homebodies. But those meat packages will drive a little bit extra. So let's say we're charging $40, $50 for a meat package that costs us $20 to get. That's not in the underwriting, so that's an extra value add. Even if, let's say, we're just selling one meat package per unit per month, we're looking at an extra three, $400 a month, which over the course of the year, $5,000. Now we're talking about a, a pretty decent add to the NOI and bumping that cap right from 11.8 to 12%, no problem. Yeah, that's, that's straight pure profit right there. So some other ideas I had was maybe add an ice machine, maybe a casino machine, and then there is a gift shop there, yeah? There is a gift shop, and right now it's, it's pretty cool. They actually use water from the springs to make soaps. They keep uh, an attendant in the gift shop all the time to sell just like little s'mores, all, all types of little goodies. Um, think of it as a Wawa that has almost nothing, um, but is curated to the camping experience, so it's still pretty dope. Now, what we're thinking about doing, I think Mike just hit a huge point, 
is if we can get a couple uh, cheap little slot machines in there without uh, breaking any rules in North Carolina, that's another way that we can garner an extra couple hundred bucks a month per unit uh, that, again, every dollar counts at this point because anything that we make over what we underwrote is going to be pure cash flow. And that's, that's really what we're looking to derive here. Yeah, that sounds super great. Is there anything else you had to add or is that it? So that's, I think we covered most of it, Mike. Um, we do still have a little bit of opportunity here. Um, we have room for a couple more friends and family to come in on this deal. So if you're listening out there and you want a, an exciting opportunity, you want to be part of it, hop on in. We'll be sending you updates all along the way. Uh, you're going to get a newsletter showing exactly what's happening. You're going to get distributions every quarter. You're going to have a chance to put your money in something that's not imploding like crypto is right now. Um, I do have a word from our sponsors. And by sponsors, I mean people who have just been a tremendous help to us and super cool to have um, as part of our operations. I want to give a big shout out to Lab Creates Design. These guys are phenomenal at interior design. They get projects done faster than anyone that I've, I've seen. And that's why we continue to go back to them again and again. Their rates are reasonable. They get the, the job done. We'll, we'll have a fresh house, four bedrooms, which would take the normal person a month or two to, to furnish. You close, it's up and done within three to five days. Your pictures are back and you're ready to go, saving you a lot of revenue and you're going to be kickstarted. So big shout out to Lab Creates Design. Check out their website. Another big shout out is Perspective Media. They're who we use for all of our photography. And these guys know how to make any property look sick. So when you combine the fact that you have a sick property with a sick photographer, with a sick interior designer, your property is sick. So sick you might have to come down to the Healing Springs. So that's pretty much all I have to add here, Mike. Uh, is there anything you want to add? No, that's pretty much it. I think we covered anything. Um, that, that's just going to bring us to the end of the episode, I guess. Um, and as always, thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and telling your friends about us. And if you want to be on our next episode of the podcast, check out either of our Instagram bios. Mine is at Mikey and JD's is at JD, which is pretty consistent with our other platforms as well. If you want to check us out on anything else, we got YouTubes, we got Twitters, we got all that stuff. So if you want, just fill out the form or Instagram bios. And you might just be on the next episode. That's right. Fill out the form. Get on the next episode. Come hang out with me and Mike. Uh, remember to live free out there, guys. Get that passive income up. And we will catch you next time on the Live Free Podcast. Peace.